today to join, be joined by Christian Marlowe, a founder of Bull Digital. And more importantly, for the people in the planner DAO, he's a part of the compliance working group. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about one of the more uh, just incredible acts of collaboration um, in this space that the uh, compliance working group has been working on um, a SMA due diligence checklist. And that's kind of a mouthful and already a, a very long-winded introduction. So Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So real quick, uh, take us through how in the world did you find the Planner DAO to begin with? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, so I actually have kind of a, a winding, everything I do is kind of a winding path. <laughs> um, and my kind of arrival to the DAO is, is pretty winding. Um, I guess I'll, I should go all the way back to kind of how I got involved in, in the crypto space. Um, so many years ago in my prior life, um, I was a neuroscientist um, and I worked uh, for a lab in, um, in Houston called the Eagleman Lab for a guy named David Eagleman, who is this really kind of pioneering, interesting guy who did all kinds of things. He could never mm. kind of keep his mind uh, <laughs> on one topic. And so, um, so within that lab, there were lots of projects that were not related to neuroscience at all. A lot of tech projects, a lot of coding and programming going on. Uh, and there was kind of a group within there that um, got into crypto mining really early on. Um, and uh, that was kind of my first introduction to crypto. Um, and um, then I went to law school interested in um, criminal justice because of the nature of Neuroscience I was working on that seemed really interesting to me and was useful. Um, but while there, I fell in love with um, tax and estate planning. Um, I just liked the real technical aspect of of, um, of tax advice, giving tax mm -hmm. advice. Um, and um, so after law school, got in, got involved in that. Um, and kind of what I what I'd seen over um, the past few years is um, there aren't a lot of resources for people who have a lot of crypto wealth. Um, to uh, manage how those assets are passed down. Um, and in fact, there aren't really any um, trust companies doing that. Um, so I've been in the process of uh, building a trust company for digital assets and um, actually in the process of evaluating different SMAs myself, um, I came across uh, Matt Koleski who told me about the DAO and um, I got involved um, kind of late last year and um, here I am now um, um, working on the um, diligence work. Now that's that, I, I love that because it underscores, I think, uh, something that we all share, and that is a, a very non-traditional route to get to you know this sort of traditional space of you know financial advice and uh, you know fiduciary engagements, whether it's you know from an accounting, tax, or you know an investment perspective, and. It's one of the things I appreciate so much about the DAO, the Planner DAO community, is you know, we we have all kinds of people that have this amazing skill set and background. That whether it's experience in in tech and coding, or you know, like you, I mean, neuros. I mean, that's 
you you are already Christian and the smartest person I've ever talked to. So I I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's the case at all, but uh, definitely uh, you know di different than the financial industry. No, that's that's great, and it's mainly because I have four crazy boys, and my life is spent Ubering them around, you know, to their various activities. Oh, so right. I, I I don't get out a whole lot. Um, but no, I, I, and I'm so glad that you brought up Matt Koleski because he is the head of the compliance working group. And one of the things that makes the planner DAO also unique is we early on felt a need to have a, a group of professionals that had, you know, various exposure to, um, you know, legal tax and sort of almost like a practice management side of things that understood the regulatory, uh, environment and framework that, you know, crypto, kind of doesn't necessarily fit completely in and, you know, helped uh, the compliance working group helps sort of navigate and piece together this incredible, you know, explosion of technology and opportunity um, and men blends it with fiduciary, um, you know, standards. And right. uh, again, first and foremost, I can't thank you enough, Christian, for your willingness to, to do that, because that's, that's a, that's a heavy lift for, for most of us. You know, I joke that, you know, when Matt starts talking about compliance, most people's eyeballs start to, you know, get itchy and bleed a little. Um, but it, it's essential for us to understand how we can build in this brand new space with fiduciary standards. So um, real, real quick, why don't you share a little bit about what your role in the compliance working group is and maybe um, the role that you feel like it plays for the planner DAO? Sure. So, um so I know compliance uh, makes a lot of people, the, the thought of compliance makes people's eyes glaze over. But, um, you know, being that I fell in love with tax planning, uh, <laughs> it, I, you know, compliance just really, really excites me. Uh, <laughs> it's a technical aspect of, uh, of complying or, or, you know, how, you know, how, um, how do you uh, comply when the rules aren't really clear? That's where it becomes kind of something that mm -hmm. you have to be creative to do. Um, and in the crypto space, uh, the main problem with compliance right now is that there isn't much uh, guidance from the from the regulators or um, or kind of governing bodies. So, um, what we um, kind of well, kind of my role on the due diligence uh, the due diligence um, checklist was um, so I'm you know I'm an attorney. I um, also I'm starting a trust company, and as part of that, I, I um, have spoken to many, many, many SMAs. And what drew me into the project was that um, I myself was struggling to figure out, okay, well, how am I supposed to be evaluating um, these different SMAs? They all have uh, they all have an interesting edge when they talk about kind of their financial performance, but there, but um, from a compliance standpoint, there's a lot more you have to look at than their financial performance, right? You have to look at things about uh, like, how are things custodied? Um, how did they do diligence on their own employees? What are their internal processes? Things like that. And so it was really rewarding to get to work with a group of um, other individuals who kind of have um, knowledge in different areas of, of investment management to kind of come together and uh, build what we think is like the first kind of broad um, diligence checklist for um um, crypto SMAs. No, that's, it's incredible. And yes, I, we, we make fun of compliance a, a lot because it's an area that most of us don't understand. Um, but the thing that I, I just really appreciate about what you guys have done is you know, you're, you're trailblazers. You are truly the ones who are 
leaving the comforts of the traditional, you know, sort of infrastructure rules environment, like you said, and really taking on the, the responsibility of cutting out a path for other advisors to, to follow and, and, and explore and come to this new space in a responsible way that honors the fiduciary standards we all try to have for our clients. And so, um, yes, I, we, we sometimes, especially Matt, we make fun of Matt Koleski a lot, but it, it's really, you, you guys are the, the true trailblazers in the Dow. And so, um, and like you said too, it, it's fascinating that, you know, where this gets very exciting is when there's really not a lot of clarity and we don't have that just yet, you know, with the, the rules and sort of the, the environment that advisors can operate in and, you know, investment managers for that is just not very clear. And so with that comes sort of this, uh, I guess the, 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 the uncertainty of knowing, wait a minute, what are these guys actually doing? Because they're, they don't have a lot of clarity either that they have to operate by and, you know, disclose. And so there, there's just, there's a whole new combination of additional uncertainty. You have to, you know, figure out a way to participate in the space in a, you know, again, I keep saying the word fiduciary, but that's, that's what makes us different, right? Is that we are not just YouTube influencer people looking to make fast, quick money. We are genuinely trying to guide our clients through this new opportunity. So, Having this resource is a is a major development, and again, th this is this is trailblazing kind of stuff that has never existed. And here we are, working together, collaborating together to build something um, for the advisor community to to follow, and and hopefully it can impact what investment managers do. So, why don't you go help us, Christian, walk through what what is the the due diligence checklist look like? Maybe just from a high level overview perspective, what. You kind of touched on a few of those things earlier, but help us understand what it what it's looking to accomplish and do, and and maybe who, how an advisor benefits from it, and how an investment manager might benefit from it. Sure. Um, so, um, kind of, you know, where we're coming from is that there there isn't this space is so new that there isn't really a standard. Um, um, there, there isn't a standard way to do kind of anything in this space, right? There are ways that some people do them, there's ways that other people do them. But unlike the traditional asset space, where there is a very clear way that assets are custody, and there's a very clear way you deal with a broker, and there's uh, when, when uh, you know, you expect for funds to flow a certain way, and the settlement period is, you know, et cetera, um, that, that's all kind of, you know, well ironed out, and it's highly regulated. Um, in the crypto space, um, um, it, it's different, right? Partially because there's lack of regulation, but also because um, the way you have to touch the assets is different. Uh, the ways you can custody them are different. And the types of financial products that are being invented that capitalize on this new technology are very, very different. And so um, what, what we wanted to do was kind of build um, a tool that can help financial advisors evaluate potential um, relationships they want to enter with an SMA um, um, without kind of setting a standard, but allow, but kind of making sure they're aware of all the different ways that you need to evaluate a, an SMA when you, when you select one. So we broke up the diligence checklist into two parts. Um, and the first part is made up of um, kind of what um, we expect everybody's doing when they're doing diligence um, in tr with the traditional asset space, um, you know, questions about firm structure, have they gone through bankruptcy, 
um, you know, who are key people, things like that. Um, um, we try not to focus on that too much because, like I said, we expect that people are already doing that. But we also wanted to include it in here in case this is the one form uh, people are using. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe one of these questions uh, people are not asking, but, um, you know, when they see it on here, they, they see, recognize it as important. Um, the second part um, of the checklist is really um, what is the, is the core crypto part. Um, and that's an open-ended section, um, and that's broken into kind of three further parts. Um, the first one deals with investment uh, strategy and philosophy. So we have kind of some broader questions on, on that point, things like risk management. And then we have some more specific questions um, on things like trading systems, um, how they're using leverage, um, and whether they're invested in, in DeFi. Um, the second part, um, which from my perspective is, is you know, quite important, is um, kind of what platforms and custodians are, are they using? Um, we saw with the 3AC meltdown that um, you know, where you put assets on behalf of clients can be very, very important. Yeah. And, um, and, and the reason that's important is because depending on what structure they are, um, the assets may or may not be protected or they may not be custodied in the right way. So, um, um, so we ask questions on things like structure, you know, uh, what, what's the custodian trust company, a broker dealer, an LLC, um, how the custodian actually holds um, assets. So is it under cold storage, warm, hot? Um, and that's not to say that any one method is better than another because different methods mm -hmm. have their weaknesses and then they also are required depending on what you're trying to do. Uh, but it's more to have, you know, give the advisor time to recognize, okay, how are these firms, um, you know, holding it? And then how are they addressing that issue? Are they, do they have a very clear, cogent understanding of how their own assets are being custodied and why it's important, or are they kind of just giving a flippant one-liner? Um, um, and the third question is kind of how assets get moved around um, at the custodian, uh, you know, who has um, kind of control, does the client have control? How, do, what, how does um, an asset um, get moved out? Um, what's the whitelisting process for um, moving assets from wallet to wallets? Because we know that with crypto, uh, you can't just claw it back if you fat finger something. And so it's really important that there's a right um, kind of controls in place there. And then kind of the third section um, deals with um, kind of compliance, uh, security, and insurance. Uh, so questions on things like, you know, how does the firm do uh, their own due diligence on the employees um, and then outside service providers? Um, insurance is a really um, kind of key one to understand because the insurance market's really un underdeveloped in the crypto space. It's just, it's too new yeah. and they're, and um, you know, I don't want to geek out too much, but what's interesting is that insurance companies are using tradition, kind of the traditional underwriting model for this very novel space, and not everything kind of fits how fits, yeah. um, how insurance companies normally evaluate stuff. So um, there can be certain gaps in coverage that aren't really apparent or wouldn't exist in uh, the traditional asset space. So it's important to understand um, kind of not just um, exactly, not just an insurance company's um, policy limit, or the, the sorry, the custodian and and the firm's policy limits through their insurer, but also to understand maybe you know what kind of gaps in coverage there may be, what's really covered or not covered. Um, and so that's kind of the the overall um, kind of picture of the 
checklist. No, that's that's incredible. And I love how you guys built something that a very small advisor who maybe doesn't have, you know, a compliance department and a team looking over their shoulder, that this really is a a, a very comprehensive um, piece of due diligence that, again, a very, very small, nimble advisor can use to sort of catalog and, you know, provide uh, context for, you know, what they're, why, why did they choose this, you know, uh, third-party money manager and the fact that you guys built something that that addresses all those, um, you know, different areas is just, again, it's very powerful. And, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate very much that that, that, that aspect of it is, is incredible that anyone from any size can, can use it. You know, if you have a very large firm and again, you've got a team people working on compliance issues, this is, this is an incredibly valuable resource to have. It helps streamline a lot of their understanding of this. But if you are a single person RIA and you are the compliance department, you are the chief investment person, you know, this, this can help you document the process and the things that you looked at to, you know, render a decision, whether you were going to use. Um, so that's, that's incredible. Um, so out of, out of this whole process and, and finding these different pieces, is there, there any one, um, one section or one um, maybe question or piece that may be your favorite or the, the, maybe a question that sort of helps illuminate um, sort of the, the, you know, the offering that a third party may may have is is there one section that that you you enjoy or were proud of um, over over another? I know that's like asking you to pick your favorite dog or your favorite kid. Um, uh, so I would say that um, I mean I I think that the the maybe the core differentiator, especially so you know, we're kind of at the early phase now uh, of crypto where um, you know we're going to see you're you're going to get answers all over the board on on every question some smas use one yeah. platform that's all in cold storage others use it's all in warm storage because it's on a fireblocks fireblocks type platform um, um I, you know i think that those are all going to converge over time i think what's going to have a lot of uh, uh staying power in terms of differentiating among smas is the investment kind of philosophy and risk management section you know that gets the the core of Okay, how are they actually looking at investing in digital assets? What are the types of things that they're trying to invest in? What's the reason behind that? And um, and then how do they deal with you know market meltdowns? How do they protect the client? Those are questions that are going to be uh, are going to be lasting questions, right? And there's going to be different uh, strategies to that. There's going to be different um, amounts of risk tolerance that may or may not align with. What you're willing to take on uh, on behalf of your clients, and so um, I think that the questions within there are um, are the ones that um, you know we're most proud of, and I think also because we we tried to stay um, um, kind of as broad as possible to get a, a you know an overall picture of a firm while um, being kind of you know narrowly targeted enough that you're able to kind of compare. You know the answers as apples to apples instead of just having, uh, you know, instead of just reading, you know, an overall paragraph from each each firm, which which you know may not touch on all the issues that you need to be thinking of. Mm -hmm. No, that's that 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 is incredibly helpful to start sort of systematizing these responses while still acknowledging that you know the space is still so new. 
you know, someone running, you know, an, an altcoin strategy versus someone who's just, you know, yield and staking. It, th those are such different, you know, um, right. uh, you know, options with different characteristics that they aren't even going to look alike. But because right. the space is still so early, you have to sort of account for, you know, that wide variation. Um, and I think it's fascinating too, like you had mentioned, um, you know, we, this year we have seen firsthand, you know, how counterparty risk and disclosure really can, you know, adversely affect, you know, the space with 3AC and, and just how intertwined they were yet very few advisors really understood very, you know, we didn't get a lot of disclosures on just, wait a minute, where, where is Voyager, you know, parking these assets, where are they going? Where are they allowed to, you know, to, to migrate over? And right, because right. The, the space is still so new, Voyager didn't have to have a lot of disclosure and 3AC certainly isn't telling us a lot. And so for advisors to be in this space, like you're touching on, I mean, again, if you're, if, if you're looking to help clients and truly navigate them through this in a fiduciary capacity, these things really do matter because no, none of us want to lose our client money, right? Like none of us are, right. are in, in right. this game to, to have, you know, blown up our, you know, close friends and family. You know, we actually care about our clients. That's, you know, that's a hallmark of, uh, you know, most people in this space. So um, I think it's fascinating that, that you, you, you found a good balance of how do you build something that addresses for very wide discrepancy and, you know, solutions. And this is also something that we envision being used by um, SMAs themselves as kind of a, you know, kind of providing diligence ahead, ahead of the, the curve, right? So, um, you know, rather than um, um, waiting on, you know, uh, people, you know, asking them for diligence, we figured that there's probably going to be some SMAs out there that will like this kind of tool to say, okay, this is how I can differentiate myself by, kind of providing all this information up front to let them see, um, to understand exactly what's going on. And that helps, you know, with the evaluation process. Yeah, I, that, that's funny, because that was one of my, my, my next questions was, you know, we, we've approached this whole conversation from the role of an advisor, looking to better understand, you know, the, the nuances of, of these, these third parties, but really, and and this is what I think is is so fascinating about how this space can collaborate together is this is also an opportunity for these these money managers to approach with this resource, you know, a group of advisors who actually care about you know the due diligence process, who are who are not going to just go let me let me look at your returns, let me look at oh you've got this really cool project that I like a lot in your you know in your model. Um, yeah, this looks great. Let's let's go make some money. Like that's that's not what you know delineates this group of advisors. And so, um, you know, do you envision? And and I guess I, I kind of this is one of those softballs. Like I I I I think the SMA the 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 third party money manager side of this can use this tool as well. How 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 do you think um, you know that collaborative nature like this is honestly like the touch point where both sides can can have some some say and influence over right and i think uh i mean i think what you know the really the reason why it's so useful is because it can help um the smas um kind of articulate what they're what they're actually you know what their thought process is what they're doing because 
you know, everything that they're being evaluated on on this checklist are things that they're they've had to already think through and go through themselves. But they've just mm -hmm. uh, you know they may or may not think of uh, disclosing this particular information because they know they don't know if anybody really cares, right? I mean, nobody wants to get mm -hmm. every they don't want to know every detail about everything, right? And um, and so we figured that by kind of setting a model for diligence that um, that that third party managers can start to kind of work to that model and um, and then um, you know as they are differentiating themselves, then um, you know asset uh, advisors can can use that same model to evaluate them. Um, and again, it, it's you know people have different levels of risk tolerance. They have different purposes for investing, and so you might. Uh, you know, one firm's model might be completely, you know, they might answer every que question uh, very differently than another um, firm. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not a responsible firm. That might mean just that, that might mean that their model, um, it, you know, they have a different way of doing things. Um, and so then the question about evaluation is you look at and say, well, like, you know, what, what is the reason for that? And I'm, am I comfortable with that answer? Last question this this is very much a a, a starting point um, you know one of the things we always try to encourage is it there, there are there are no real perfect answers yet because there's still so right. much unknown and and because the space is so vast it's all about just finding a starting point and then continuing to grow and learn and and adapt as we get new information so I guess as as this is the the initial starting point, for you know this this kind of a, a resource, what what are the things you hope to learn or grow or, or what are the, the the second iterations or versions of this that that maybe you can envision or, or things that you're looking to learn as we just get started with this initial solution? So I, I think that uh, kind of one more obvious um, um, kind of the more obvious changes we'll be making over time are due to uh, you know regulatory changes right so if if for example there becomes um you know one way that things have to be custodied or uh you know one way that things have to be segregated then um obviously the questions need to adapt to um uh you know those changes right it mm -hmm. wouldn't make sense to ask open-ended questions if there's you know if there's some requirement for custody um or for insurance etc um, you know, also as the market kind of grows and there's different types of products available, I mean, you know, right now we use the word DeFi um, um, in, you know, a relatively narrow sense, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's broad in terms of potential, but the types of products that are, def you know, current DeFi products are, you know, kind of related to each other in, in one way or another. Um, but, you know, imagine 20 years down the road, what, what types of products will be out there? Uh, you know, when, when, when Satoshi wrote the Bitcoin paper, nobody thought that there would be this organization, Ethereum running smart contracts that could administer assets mm -hmm. automatically and irrevocably. Um, um, uh, and, you know, we'll, we're likely to see something really interesting come out in the future that makes us say, well, we need to have a question on that type of product or, to address that type of issue or disaster or whatever happens. So I, I can see a lot of um, changes being made on that front also. No, that makes, that makes good sense. And, you know, that's part of what I think makes the, the DAO and the working group um, structure so interesting is that it, it's very nimble. It, it's very adaptive 
um, to the these changes as they come about. You know, we 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 are not a you know hierarchical structure that requires. Uh, you know, like moving a barge over time, you know, to, to adjust to, you know, the, the, the changes in the dynamic nature of this, this asset class. We, we actually have a, a very agile setup so that the working group can, can easily, you know, make changes and keep things fluid because you're right. Like we, we are still scratching the surface on the innovation and where all this goes. And so, um, you know, maintaining your flexibility is, is paramount. Um, so I guess the, the, the final question is really um, geared just, you know, you guys spent a lot of time and energy working on this, building this resource for the community. Um, you know, what's, what's your hope or your goal that the advisors and the, the you know, financial professionals in the DAO um, you know, what, what do you hope that they get from this, this resource and, and how you hope that they implement it into their, to their practice? Uh, well, I, I think the first hope is that, um, is that um, the, it starts that the different questions we propose start getting them, getting them to think about, um, um, you know, what, what their own risk tolerance is, what their strategy is, not just around, um, you know, where to go long or short on, certain tokens, but um, also um, kind of uh, look at things like the custody model and insurance and other issues that um, are um, not normally a, a real consideration when it comes to compliance, right? So it requires a real kind of mindset shift um, um, when you're uh, in your compliance efforts. Uh, it might be a lot more active than it used to be, or you at least need to be at this stage uh, people need to be, or advisors need to be, uh, kind of much more conscious of all of the mm -hmm. uh, issues that arise that that normally were kind of just um, um, uh, that you'd rely upon a, a compliance department to handle for you, right? Or the, or the issues so settled that there's just one way to do thing, do things. Right. Um, I think that's the first hope is that it's a useful tool to kind of get that um, thinking going. Um, and then the other part is that it would be. Uh, great to get feedback on it. Are there questions that um, that advisors out there have that, you know, are there kind of other universal questions that are arising or um, are there some kind of issues um, that may arise down the, um, you know, kind of in the future that um, require us to revise and maybe add a question here or there or, or, or change it. So we're totally open to um, feedback and um uh, and we'd love to hear it once it's once it's out. Yeah, no, that that's that's awesome. And I, again, I, I love how collaborative this process really is, um, and how open the, the 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 architecture of it is designed to to grow as we learn more. Because again, like we've we've always said at the Dow, you know, we're there, there are no experts here. You know, we are just a group of people, professionals with all these different skill sets and backgrounds that are wanting to to learn and grow together. And as the space becomes more robust and more structured, or you know, maybe we get more clarity. You know, we we want to continuously innovate together. Um, you know, the different pieces of this financial world that we need to to create because it doesn't exist right now. And right. this is an an incredible first step that hopefully starts to bring together investment professionals, money managers, and fiduciaries into a space that we can connect, work together, and say, hey, 
this is really helpful. Can you guys elaborate more on this or vice versa? Like by, by creating this touch point, um, we actually have an opportunity now for feedback, for, for learning. And, you know, that, that last sort of value we, we, we talk about is, you know, this is really the innovation that the collaboration and innovation piece coming together. And so, you know, my, my hope is that, that it starts that, that feedback loop that we need so that we can learn new things that maybe we can share this with, um, you know, insurance providers and different, uh, you know, other parties that are, necessary to build out the, the remaining pieces of, you know, the financial infrastructure that helps an advisor navigate this with fiduciary standards. So um, right. I'll, I'll let you, if there's any other, you know, last minute comments, Christian, again, I can't say thank you enough to the compliance working group, all the members. Um, it's, it's really an outstanding work. Again, this is not a, <laughs> this is not a paid consulting gig. Um, it's, it's not, you know, something that, you get a lot of, you know, fanfare. There's no book tour, right, Christian? Like, you know, like we're, you're, you're truly giving of your time and resources and your expertise to just help start piecing together, you know, solutions that can make this space what it needs to be for financial professionals. Well, well, well. Thank you for having me on, and and yeah, it's a very. Um... I mean, this has been a really interesting project to work on. Like I said, I, uh, I, I mean, I ran into the same issues myself trying to evaluate SMAs. And, um, um, and so, uh, you know, I hope that I could have, I added a little bit from my own perspective to it. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's been interesting to be a, or been fantastic to be a member of the DAO because it, like you're saying, it has been very collaborative. Um, and it's been really neat to meet um, people with open minds in the financial profession, right? Which is like, it was very, <laughs> um, um, you know, even at a lot of professional conferences on uh, things like crypto, people aren't exactly the most open-minded, but um, I, uh, like we were talking about prior, and it's really neat to see this kind of core group of of people who, uh, you know, members of the DAO who are kind of have seen the light early and know that, uh, they're not exactly necessarily sure about you know how digital assets will will play in the next decade, but but um, you can be pretty confident that they'll be around in in some form or version, and um, and it's important to start understanding them now while um, while it's early and and while um, the amount of information out there can still be digested by one mind, right? So yeah. No, that's that's amazing, and we'll we'll provide links uh, in in the show notes section for um, if there's any questions or feedback, how you can get some of the um, you know those those ideas or, or comments to the the compliance working group, um, and there'll be more information too released on how you can access this and sort of who um, you know has sort of I guess the um, the ability to to um, interact with with this checklist so. Um, Christian, for that, I, again, thank you so much. Um, there'll be more more good things coming. Um, this is just one of the the, the key uh, components of again a, a, an organization and a group working together to build out the pieces that we need. And so, um, yeah, I, we we're very excited to to have this. Um, it really is a true differentiator for 
what financial professionals can you know do in DeFi uh, or Web three, um, you know, sort of open finance concepts. So um, we we really appreciate that, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have to to do some different events and things in the DAO to really help people understand how powerful and again how much of a, a trailblazing effort that you guys did. So um, with that, that's the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.